Oysters is the conversation today. Uh, you know, I haven't lived here for that long, probably 10 years, but I know that there is one thing that this area is very famous for, and that is shellfish. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Edible Valley podcast. My name is William Stringer. I'm Chef Jonathan Fraser, and it's time to get into the oysters and check out our beautiful coastline here. Let's chuck! Do you ever wonder where your food comes from? That's what got us started on this adventure. In each episode, we ask experts to weigh in on the food topics that matter to you, from growers, to producers, to chefs. And I challenge John, Darren, and you to learn more about your food and the stories behind it. From our hub on Vancouver Island in the beautiful Comox Valley, join us as we explore our edible valley. Hello, how's it going? Uh, whatever you're up to today, hope it's a good one. We are talking, well, it's going to be a great one today. Uh, shellfish, I mean, we're thinking Fanny Bay, we're thinking delicious, fresh Vancouver Island exported all over the world. That's what we're going to get into today. We're talking about, yeah, let's get into oysters and I'm excited, sorry. I got <laughs> to calm down a bit. Shuffling bit. around. I'm like, you know, we got, we got a few things to get onto. But yeah, let's just really dive into oysters today because I thought, you know what, this is the time of year that it's best. Okay, I was actually going to ask that. So why is it so important for Pacific Northwest cuisine? Why is it so specific? Well, it's because, I mean, for... Wait, 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 what was that? Say it again. Why, Why is it so, so specific? specific? Are you mixing up Pacific and specific? I think I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you're among friends, John. You're among friends. We're not here to judge. Well, and, and I'm saying like we have such a pristine area here. And yeah. We'll get into it in the podcast a bit because I really want to talk about why this region is so good. But it's like, I mean, right now is a perfect season for oysters. And it's because the waters are so cold and so crisp. Maybe not okay. this year because it's a little bit warmer. But I'm just saying we have this. Oysters like to be cold. They like to yeah. be able to be in really fresh water. So there's not a lot of algae blooms like that. Because okay. there are a lot. Of, there can be a lot of fears that go along with oysters. Many people have gotten sick by eating oysters at the wrong time or not being properly prepared. Well, I, I knew, you know, briefly I lived in Kingston, Ontario. And my job, it was the only job I could get at the time, was to clean shellfish. I knew what the weather was like in BC because one of my jobs was to open the Fanny Bay shellfish and clean them, get them all ready. When that would dry up and it would suddenly be from, I don't know, Maine or somewhere like that instead, I would know that the weather was too warm in BC. And I know that the shellfish supply to this town stops in the middle of the summer when the temperatures are too hot because it doesn't like it. And that's exactly it. You know what? If you want to get into oysters right now, if you want to go down to the beach and chuck some, like make sure you check the tide guides and let's check with the regulations. But this is a great opportunity to uh, get into some oysters or even just, you know, head to your local grocery store. I went into Fannie Bay Oysters. I have a treat for you later, Will. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Can I, can I do full disclosure? I actually came... Out of 50, I came 20th in an oyster shucking competition in Ottawa back in 2015. I could shuck an oyster boy. That oh, is yeah. good to know. <laughs> so that we have no fears. Let, so let's get into this and let's start start out with introduction to oysters. And it's like, uh, why are 
oysters and specifically on the West Coast here, so important to us, right? I think there is definitely a cultural heritage, right? Because right. this is definitely, this is a food source for indigenous people of the Northwest. I was going to ask that. Is it a First years. Nations? That, it, are they, I mean, I, they would be mad not to, wouldn't they? It, it's the original bounty of the land. Yes, and it's deeply ingrained into uh, the region's culinary heritage and culinary traditions, right? Plays a central role in feasts, ceremonies, and gatherings, right? Wow. So this is just a, that's kind of why oysters are so important yeah. and have grown up. Um, economical impact on us, like how much money comes out of this area for oysters. And let's get real, Fannie Bay oysters, they're known around the world yeah. for their, their beautiful flavor. You can use oysters in so many different ways, from from raw oysters in the the half shell, grilled, steam, uh, fried, and you can incorporate them into so many dishes like chowders, stews, and even like seafood platters. All right, so I've got a couple of questions. I think myself uh, included, and a lot of other people will go into a supermarket and they'll see all this kind of all the, the crab in the tank, which always makes me feel very sad, um, and then the oysters and all of that area, the mussels. And they might just think, oh, no, that's specialized cooking. And I kind of think there's a missed opportunity there. But I haven't ever got to actually doing that. I always think with oysters, when you chuck an oyster and open it, you eat the oyster. And that's it. That's what you do with oysters. Are you saying there's there's more things that people can do? Oh, my God. There's so many different ways. Like, yeah, as I was saying, you know, we can grill them. You know, just throwing an oyster on a grill. You get that nice, hot, smoky flavor throughout it. Nice. You just wait till they pop, crank them off, you know, maybe throw a little bit of garlic butter on there. Yeah. Or a mignonette or a hot sauce or something like that. And and there you go. You, so you don't have to have them roar out the no, shell. No, raw. And I mean, who doesn't love a nice oyster burger? No, I know that's a that's true. a big thing for most people. It's just one of those things, you know, like, so, so yeah, no, like you can bread it and fry it was, is a great way of doing it. And I love Oyster Rockefeller, Oyster Casino. There's so many great opportunities you can have with that. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm imagining very shortly I'm going to find out for myself because <laughs> <laughs> you've got something planned. <laughs> of course. Uh, and let's just talk about the Pacific Northwest. It's prized for its, its flavor, its characteristics is in its brine, right? It's a very mineral rich taste with hints of sweetness. And of also like oysters are, they're like wines. Mm -hmm. I think in some senses you can think of them because different regions have different flavors and, yeah. and whether they're a beach oyster or a deep sea oyster or, you know, a hung oyster, there's so many different flavors you can, you can get out of this oyster from Absolutely. what it's eating, what it's, the waters it's in, the temperature of the water. It's, it's kind of interesting. I think it's just a, a fun way to do it. And the other thing is, is like the tourism and hospitality impact of oysters in this area, right? We have so many festivals, tastings, how many restaurants showcase oysters. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a draw for the area. I right? mean, the BC Shellfish Festival is absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. In uh, what the Philberg Park every single year is absolutely massive one. And that's not at the Philberg anymore. Where is it now? It's at Mount Washington. Why have they moved it? They just went to Mount Washington. Sounds just, a bit cold. Something. <laughs> well, oysters are good in the cold, right? Yeah, so, there yeah. we go. Although no. it is in the spring and summer. So, I guess, so, so last year was the the first year for the uh, Mount Washington Shellfish Festival. Interesting. Okay, love it. Okay, uh, so oyster farming. How does that work? Okay, so let's go to the oyster processing it because this is actually pretty complex and, and takes a lot of effort and a lot of time for doing this. So, of course, the first part is collecting the larva. 
for the oyster, which is called the spat. And so that's the that's what's going to grow into an oyster. And so when it's released into the ocean... I have no idea. When it's released into the ocean, it's not attached to anything. It's sort of just floating around there. Oh, wow. And it's it's microscopic, and it settles onto the mysterious of the floor, so around shells and rocks and other hard surfaces. Now, in a lot of produce, production areas, they'll move that spat into a nursery where they can have a little bit more control of it. Okay. Well, they'll have it in tanks or floating trays, mesh bags, just so it can be safe till it can grow. After reaching a certain size in the nursery, the juvenile oyster is transferred to a growing area. And that's when we can go into two styles of growing. Okay. They have bottom culture and off-bottom culture. Right? So so bottom culture is basically our beach oysters. So basically, you're, you're going to be spreading them out onto an area where they can, onto a beach or uh, in the intertidal area so that they can grow off the bottom. And so they're exposed to more of the natural elements uh, and they have to deal with the tides and currents, the water temperature, you know, rain runoff. There's yep, a, lo- yep, a yep. lot more variabilities, <laughs> but that's sort of the traditional way of how okay. we would get oysters, right? A little bit more of like off-bottom culture is basically what they're doing is they're suspending the oysters on floats above the ground and so it can be in trays or in bags as such so it's easier to collect it's easier to collect easier to harvest and and you can get you can get them in a much colder water so that you can have and there's less temperature changes you don't have tidal problems okay so and that's how you can kind of make sense yeah yeah so it's it's a way that a lot of things uh the shells don't get as damaged as much yet the shells are a little bit softer on the other hand but they seem like really tough rocks so, but they can still get damaged at that stage. Are they quite oh, delicate? Very, very. Yeah, you'll you will notice this if you get into shucking a lot of oysters between bottom oysters and off bottom oysters. Is just the the shell. The they're a little bit more brittle. I oh, say okay. the off bottom. Yeah, I know they are brittle. Sometimes they, they can just break open because they don't they don't have to put as much energy into the shell. Nice. Yeah. Wow, that is really interesting. Yeah, and so the maintenance of the oysters is there's lots of work to go along with this, you know, like mm. keeping the beach clean. And of course, oysters are harvested once they meet marketable size. So typically that's one to three years. So it's a one really? to three year investment to get your oysters grown up there. So they've got every year they do this. So every year they're harvesting ones from three years ago. Yeah, and, and, then I, they've got and they're really a on a cycle and just, you know, they're yeah. moving from beach to beach. And when it's ready, they will... They will ser- they will harvest them and and serve and sell them. And if I'm around Fanny Bay, which is a big place for oysters around here, and I'm just walking around along the beach, is there a chance I can find just oysters just there? Yes. Now yeah. you have to be careful because down that area there's a lot of leases, so you don't want to be picking oysters off people's leases and stuff like that. Leases. Yeah. So what they will do is they will that section of beach. Ah, for the production of oysters. So you're 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 basically stealing if you take it from certain areas. How would you know then if you're there? Uh, there will be signs up there. Really, don't take the oysters. Just don't take the. But oysters. if there's, do any, does anyone ever like they're going fishing? Just go looking at parts of the beach that are not leased. Uh, I'd imagine so. And there's lots of public beaches down there that that can that aren't leased, so you yeah. can access those areas. Interesting. Okay, yeah. that's really. But if it's leased, you can't go on the beach. Period. Uh, you can go on the beach, period. But you can't nick the you can't, I wouldn't be. Well, yeah. you're just you're stealing someone's business, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's my interesting. At least that's my feeling. You're on walking it, on so. the beach though, and and it's the equivalent of going onto a farmer's wheat field and nicking the wheat. <laughs> like, that's wow, all over that. 
Let's talk about eating with the Well, with the I shellfish. was actually let's get into a couple of different types of oysters because okay. it's not like there's one brand of one style of oyster. Sure, I thought there was. Yeah, and so actually for us the it's the uh, the Olympia oyster is sort of the traditional oyster for is native to the northwest here, but it, it was almost wiped out. Really? Uh, yeah. They are a smaller size uh, with a distinct round shell with a rich, complex uh, flavor. They're sweet, slightly metallic taste and uh, that kind of compares to like copper or iron. Uh, anyways, they they are our local ones from around here for the Pacific Northwest. Mm. They aren't as grown as much and more of the Pacific oyster, which is it was basically known as like a Japanese oyster or Miyagi oyster. They were came over from Japan here on a lot of ships and have been brought over here to specifically grow. They're known for their firm texture, briny, mild, sweet flavor. And most of the top oysters that that we sell to the world would be under this this class. Really? So yeah. if you if you go into a restaurant and order them, all the ones we sell to the world might actually be Japanese style oysters. There, most of them are. Yeah, if you've ever heard of a kushi or even the Fanny Bay oyster, as we've been talking about. Are really, all, that's all fascinating. That Kamutu oyster, uh, which is another Japanese style oyster, which is cultivated in the Northwest. It's known for its small size with a deep cup and a sweet buttery flavor. As you can see, there's so much different flavors with it. They have a, a delicate, almost a fruity taste with a hint of melon in them. Nice. So that's interesting that you have like wow. a lot of yeah. these different flavors. They'll have like cucumber flavors in that. Wow. It's just like wine pairings, isn't it? It, it's a, it I is. I have no idea. And then you have like so many producers around, right? Like, and each producer has sort of their own style of oysters or, and they have different different brands where they've sort of cultivated the oysters to come out in a different appearance. So you have like the the Fanny Bay oyster, you know, traditionally owned Vancouver Island. They are like a medium-sized firm texture with a sweet flavor with a hint of cucumber, as I was saying. And they are also served either raw or in the hash shell and crepe. In, in cooked dishes. Chef Creek is another one uh, that's really sought after, which is a medium size, a deep, plump, fresh briding. Effingham oysters, located on the west coast here, and uh, these ones are prized for their small, medium size, deep cup, and rich flavor and sweetness. Como Guay is another another style of oyster for, that's in the Gulf Islands here uh, on Cortez and Denman Island. We have the Humboldt Sawmill, you know, Golden Mantle, and you know, I'm going to say Bait and Sound oysters, which is like just just up from from Fanny Bay oysters is another another great local oyster and there's other i'm i'm just touching I mean, on a couple hell. names like this there's kind a, of mind-blowing yeah like yeah. when you get down there there are so many different flavors and each region has their own flavors so. so one thing that i really loved when i came to vancouver running that i didn't see anywhere else well i guess there would be somewhere else but i saw them everywhere here is oyster burgers <clears throat> can i mm. ask is it just a matter of shucking the oyster and putting them in a batter and then that's it that's an oyster burger uh, yeah, it's the pretty, inside. I mean, that's pretty much what you're going for is a nice crispy because you want that little bit of crunch of a yeah, burger yeah. that holds it together. And yeah, that's exactly where I would go with for that. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think I could do that myself, but yeah. you can do that yourself. Yeah. So, so you want to jump into some cooking tips, right? Yeah, let's do cooking let's tips. Let's get into yeah, some I'm getting cooking hungry. tips. You're getting hungry. <laughs> Anyways, as you said, you're a master shucker. Uh, so let's talk about... Uh, proper, I've been cool, boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like properly shucking oysters. The first step is you having a very sturdy oyster knife yeah that's that's a big trick and i always find something you don't want something that flexes because that can lead into no, some problems. God, no. so something nice yeah. to set. next up is you want a towel to protect yep. your hand yeah a, a lot of times i'll get the oyster shell on a nice 
cutting board and then I'll have a nice cloth on top of it. And then I always like to work inserting the knife into the hinge and then just twisting it. I like yeah. to do a little bit of wiggle and then a twist just to pop it open. And then I slide the knife along the top of the oyster shell. So usually, you know how an yeah. oyster, one side is flat, one side is cupped. It's always a little bit different. Sometimes you get some funny hinges, but usually you have the one flat side. So if you can get that knife in along that top, and then there's just a little bit of a muscle there that you just want to just cut with your knife, and that'll remove the top shell. Yeah. It will come right off. And then you want to come back, and you always want to come and with a knife underneath all the meat that's there yeah and clip that muscle and on the other it. side yeah. yeah and if you just go like a monkey i mean imagine a monkey shucking an oyster they just mm -hmm. push it in the hole and just force it in there you're gonna the when you open it it's gonna be an absolute mess it's gonna be a bloodbath in there not literally but it will be the you, you would have put the knife directly through the oyster itself uh bits of shell probably will come off and then you're gonna to have to pick them out otherwise you're not gonna to want to eat a bit of shell it's like 20 times worse than eating a bit of eggshell um <laughs> so each time you you push it in there there's there's a different feel to them and you can only learn this i think through repetition uh, so if you do uh, oyster shucking once you might think, oh, that's really difficult. But do it again and again and again. It's going to get easier and easier and easier. You just push it in the hole and you just got to feel for the for how firm it is. And as you say, just shimmy around a little, loosen it up. And then you can tell when it loosens and then just boop, make sure it's going along the top and it'll just clean come off. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I feel like you have to watch about too much pressure. I think because that's where you can lead to problems is a yeah. lot of people think they really need to put a ton of pressure no. on there and it's use your knife to wiggle and wiggle, there, wiggle yeah. a little you're bit. You're making it come loose. Yeah. It's not to say there's no pressure. Initially you do need to have some pressure. It's having good control and having that wiggle. Um, oh. And as you say, when you've taken the lid off and it's then about freeing the oyster and either taking out the shell or leaving it in the shell ready to be shut, ready to be eaten. And then that brings us to the next thing is raw consumption. Okay. Because you can eat raw oysters. Oh, God, yeah. And they're beautiful. Now, there is a disclaimer that any restaurant that is serving oysters, that oysters do contain some bacterias and to be careful. And yeah. it can lead to foodborne illness. And, you know, if it's another, I mean, if, if the weather's too hot... And it's unusually hot, like say it was here and it was like 38 degrees in the in July for four weeks in a row. Then if if you're getting local oysters, you've got to question the risk there because the waters, those shallow waters of Fanny Bay are going to have warmed up. And yeah. that's not ideal for an oyster. This time of year, perfect. You're the quitting. Other, the other thing to look for is if they get milky. Because once they start he heating up, they get milky. Oh, okay. And you can notice that in the brine, that they'll have that little bit of cloudiness into it. And it's it's pretty easy to to figure out to and figure see it out, out there. <laughs> but that's one thing. Anyways, let's get on to some, some raw oysters. Because there's nothing more beautiful than starting off. And what an aphrodisiac than right. having a couple raw oysters. The best way is on a bed of crushed ice yeah i've done in the restaurant we actually do frozen rocks that we've frozen washed. rocks frozen rocks just because you want to get that beach nice filling ice cool and it doesn't melt so it's, <laughs> it's yeah. nice and then with a nice nice uh, wedge of lemon or as i've got here mignonette sauce we'll yeah i'll do yep, a recipe yep. real quick here yep. you gotta love a mignonette. cocktail sauce or of course let's try out some hot sauces making sure they're nice and cool and just yep taking them right down and a mignonette sauce is such a 
flavorful uh, taste to have with it. You know, it brings out that sweet and slightly uh, tangy flavors to everything. And a super easy recipe. You can do a whole batch of here. So say like a half cup of red wine vinegar. I would almost say go out for get a better quality red wine vinegar. Because it's just, you're just going to notice yeah. that flavor so much. You can do like two tablespoons of really finely minced shallots. So you've got that little bit of garlicky onion flavor to there. And then we'll do a little bit, one teaspoon of like fresh cracked pepper. And when I'm talking cracked pepper, I mean, not taking your grinder out there, but like take your pepper out, take the frying pan and smash it with the bottom of the pan. And oh, you'll just get this beautiful crack and it'll have that really hot... Now, some people put a little sugar in there because I like to sweeten it up. I always say if you have a really good vinegar, you, you're not going to need any of that. Uh, and then a pinch of salt just to taste, just to, nice. just to bring it up. And basically, you just whisk that together, let it sit for half an hour and serve it. And it's something you can keep up for a week or so. But, I mean, let's get real. You want to you wanna eat this with your oysters as soon as possible. So. Yeah. And if you, run, if you still have mignonette, then you can go get some more oysters, right? <laughs> All right, cooking. Cooking. Let's get on to grilling. Grilling is a great way to cook off oysters. It adds that smoky, charred aroma. Just putting the washing the oysters really well, putting them direct on the grill. This is better for like a larger size oyster. Yeah, yeah. yeah throwing them straight on the, on the grill, preheated grill, and then just cooking them until the edge start to curl and slightly the oyster is heated through. And and then just squeezing some, as I said, some compound butter would be beautiful. Fresh lemon, yeah, you know, garlic butter. You got them all. Nice. Steaming oysters is a nice, really quick, easy method of getting at the oysters and super easy to shock. So just throwing them in a little steamer tray, you know, nice boiling water with a steamer tray, put the lid on them, wait till they just pop, and then you can just pull them out there. Gorge. And that's a great way, too, if you're going to be doing some frying yourself, too. But, yeah, splash of some melted butter or some white wine on there is great. Frying, let's go for your oyster burger. You know, <laughs> dredging them in a little flour, egg, and then coating them in breadcrumbs or cornmeal. I've done uh, taco chips and any kind of crunchy thing is just a, a fun way and then it's like you know frying them in hot oil until they're they're golden brown and crispy and that so is you can just fry them without batter or anything like that just chuck them in well i would do the flour egg wash and right. you want to have a nice crush to them it'd be the even i find dredging them yeah. before you sear them just yeah. holds them a little bit firmer together yeah. nice and gives you a nice flavor and then that's where you got like some nice tartar sauce or oh, yeah. a sharp aioli yeah. or you know all those just go really well uh, let's get into baking. Baked oysters, one of my favorite, and this is where I'm getting into doing a nice, uh, something on top of them. Uh, so mixing up some, you know, some bacon, some herbs, some cheese on top of there, taking your shucked oyster, throwing it in the oven and just... What kind of cheese would you put on there? Uh, I like doing like a nice sharp cheese. Feta cheese has worked really nice yeah. for me in the past. A little bit nice and salty. Yeah, a little bit of salty. Yeah, like Parmesan cheese is a, is yeah. a really nice one. Of course, poaching oysters is a great way. And actually, I would I po used to poach my oysters in their own liquid. So it would drain off. Right. If you buy shucked oysters, like pre-shucked oysters, yeah. using the brine and then poaching my oysters in that liquid and then freezing them. And then if I wanted to make an oyster burger, I would pull them out, bread them, and, and fry them, right? Fro fry from them frozen. frozen. Yeah, because they're already cooked through. And then as you sear them, you get that nice yeah. crust. They just so heat all the way through. If you want an oyster burger, can you just get it? You don't have to go and buy and shuck and all that. Yes. Can you just you, buy them canned? You, or? Yeah. I would not recommend them for raw oysters. 
the okay. pre-shucked ones, but they're great for any cooked oyster. Right. If you're going to add them into, let's say like a stew, if you want to yeah. make like an oyster chowder. Yeah. I've even made oyster ice cream. <laughs> now that I'm imagining that was blue spruce. That was blue spruce. <laughs> and I actually did it for the, I did it at the shellfish festival that was wow. at the Filberg. And it was, it was a hit. It was some people didn't, didn't like it. Cause it had, really? a, it had, is, a, you surprised me, John. Uh, yeah. Well, it had a bit of a briny <laughs> flavor, but I had this young kid who I gave, he looked at me and he's like, I don't think so. And so I gave him a little cup of it and he must've eaten about seven other little cups. Cause I was just selling it as a sampler <laughs> or it's just giving it away as a sampler, as a sort of fundraiser for the North Vancouver Island Chefs Association. So I put a jar up there and people were throwing change in for it. So, now, you know, when you said, uh, we're going to go through some recipes, I thought, okay, we're going to, frying's going to be in there and, and maybe grilling ice cream. It's not one of them. And I'll I admit, mean, wow. with the ice cream is you took the I took the oysters and you cook them into brine, and so you actually don't serve the oysters themselves directly in the ice cream. It's just in the brine, and then you pull the oysters out and use them for another. Still another sounds thing. absolutely yeah. wank, John. To be honest, do you want to get into a little bit of buying and storing yeah. oysters? How do we buy them? I uh, mean, in my mind, I mean thrifties. They they seem pretty good well, with shellfish. Let's, let's talk about buying from a reputable source. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go to grocery stores. Fishmongers are great. We have a few around here. I always used to get mine from the Fanny Bay Seafood Shop down in Buckley Bay, which is a bit of a drive. What is there? What is the best fishmongers in the Comox Valley that's local? That's not miles out of town. Uh, well, I mean, as I got oysters today, it was at the old farm market. Oh, they good for that? They? Yeah, they have. They actually Fanny Bay Oysters has put their store in there. Great. So they, they have some beautiful oysters and you know they're fresh from the beach. Yeah. I mean, you can, there's a couple oyster plants up and down the island here. Like we we're talking about Bait and Sound, Fanny yeah. Bay Oysters. Yeah. Along, you can hit up all those places and they will have, have some. Yeah, we've had a couple fishmongers close down in the last few, few years. So a lot of the grocery stores seem to be the places to go. So quality foods. Thrifties. Yeah. Especially quality foods is island, so you'd think they'd yeah. be good at that. Yeah. Uh okay, so we've got that. Uh always check for freshness. I mean it doesn't take much. Make sure your shells are always tightly closed or a slight glap and when you tap them they come together. And that's with all shellfish. Yep. Shellfish talk about mussels. What's that? You talk about is that mussels? We're or? talking about talking about oysters here, but like oysters, clams, mussels, yeah. all under sort of fall under the same same sort of thing. Yeah, if they're open to big gap. You yeah. don't want them. And when you get served them, if they're closed, you don't eat them. When you get served Oh, yeah, mussels, yeah. If you served a muscle or clam that's not open, definitely don't. Yeah. yeah. And for a restaurant, if is it acceptable if one or two of them are closed? If you order a portion of mussels and one or two of them are closed? Well, or should they have really caught that? They, they probably should have caught that. Yeah. I know sometimes you slip through because you have a dozen in the yeah, pan yeah, yeah, yeah. and you kind of, you're rushing a bit. I, it happens to, to the best of us. I mean, part of the thing in a restaurant is they have to actually track where all their oysters come. They have to keep the tags from the bags when yeah. they get their oysters. So if there is a, an issue, they can track it back. It's actually really well patrolled and, yeah. and checked into. Okay, so that would be one thing is just like looking, making sure it smells fresh. If it has a foul smell, discard it right yeah, away. Right, right. It's not worth it. And when you transport oysters, pack them in ice. Keep them as cold as possible. I always keep my oysters on ice in the in the fridge. Nice. It's just it's just a good safe way. You know they're cool. That's how they like to be. Yeah, uh, they're not going to go off very quick. Yeah, and then yeah, you want to make sure they are in the refrigerator below four degrees, right? Or and above freezing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep them in the bag, or you can put them into a container. But the one thing is, you don't want to saran wrap them. You don't want to seal them off. You want them to be able to breathe. 
Yeah. Okay. They still, there are living animals, so they do actually do that. And of course, always, uh, you know, handle them with care, avoid dropping them or damaging the shells. If the shell is damaged, that's not good for you. And then you possibly want to use oysters as soon as you get them. It's just best practice. Yeah. Don't let them sit around the fridge yeah, for a week. Don't, yeah. don't buy them a week ahead and then get ready. Just wait till the day. Try and get them like one or two days ahead of time. And I think you'll be, you'll have no problems and you'll just have a great time. Right. Anything else with the, with storing and buying? I think, I think, I think people have a, should be able to get a pretty good sense of that and, and be able to really enjoy them. So in terms of if someone wants to get involved with this in the area, you know, so we've got the BC Shellfish, Seafood and Shellfish Festival, is that what it's called? Uh, the BC Seafood Festival. Seafood Festival. Yeah. That's Mount Washington. Yes. Uh, when does that take place? I have to check on the dates there. Is it spring or summer? Uh, summer, isn't it? It's going to be, it's always in June. June. Okay. It's usually Late around spring. the June yeah. area. It's, it's one of those ones I always laugh at because... It's probably the worst time of year because the water's just warming up and a lot of times the oysters go into a spawn. And so you do not eat oysters when they're in a spawn. Wow. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> one thing. Uh, so I get, a, I get a real good... But it's convenient for us. It's, it's, <laughs> it is the time when people can get out. The one thing also I was going to talk about is just pairing. Oh, yeah. Oysters with beverages. I missed that. Yeah. What would you pair it with? Ah, well, I mean, here we got a couple of things. Like we got champagne or sparkling wine is always a perfect fit with oysters. And just due to its high acidity, uh, crispness and clean flavors, the bubbles help palate with the oyster. While the acidity cuts through the richness of the shellfish. Same with like a white wine, a nice crisp white wine. I would definitely recommend. There's, There's so many different crisp white wines that you can go with rosé is another good one i yeah, mean nice. but you want something that's you know a bright acidity maybe some really nice fruit flavor would really pair really well you know something with Beautiful. a strawberry yeah. watermelon or a citrus note dry sherry is another one i've been told. oh wow <laughs> it's not really been my thing uh and the other thing is looking at is doing um is beer Okay. What right. kind of one do we do? Uh, well, I mean, you've got different levels of, of bitterness that you can, yeah. you can you can try with this. So like something with a crisp, you know, moderate level bitterness, something light body, a hoppy beer, such as a Pilsner, a lager, a Saison, which is another, another great beer yeah. that would pair really yeah. well. I've also done, you know, doing clear, clear spirits. So a vodka or a, a gin would be actually really nice to go with an oyster. Gin and too. oysters party. Imagine Let's that. Let's do it, eh? <laughs> And it just it helps cut through some of the richness. And then for a non-alcoholic way, as in we were saying the bubbles in champagne work. So like a nice mineral water would would pair really nice or a soda, yeah. you know, just to, just to cut through some of that richness of the beautiful and clean the palate as you're enjoying it. Wow. I think oh, we've done gorgeous. a good job talking about oysters here. I've, actually, I've learned a lot. I mean, the only thing I really know is how to shuck an oyster. And I've eaten a fair few raw. I love how versatile oysters can be. And I think we've helped take some of the mystery away from it. And it can be seen as just an ingredient that you Mm -hmm. can use or a centerpiece even. Relatively easy. There's lots of ways to cook it, to eat it, to prepare it. And it is a natural bounty. I mean, it has been used by First Nations in this area thousands of years let's just continue that tradition how wonderful i love it all right uh john do we want people to get in touch let's get in touch yeah we got uh, some fun stuff coming up i mean uh we got a couple episodes on the go here that are be coming up over the next couple weeks and i'm gonna little heads up that i've got a tailgate party episode coming up 
because I'm going to be heading down to Super Bowl really quick. I was going to say, now you're, you're going down to a, uh, a, a city uh, in our, with our southern neighbors that are renowned for high quality culture and cuisine. Where are you going to, John? I am going to Las Vegas to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be eating some traditional desert foods. Well, uh, our fish. goal is to see if we can find some Fannie Bay oysters down there <laughs> and add it to the list. Cause I In the know, buffet. I know they're renowned down there and ever, they're, they're served there all the time. So I, I'm super excited about this. And I'm just, I'm kind of interested in seeing what the the parties are like. And that's not the parties, but the food, the cuisine. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a fun trip. Uh, full disclosure, this is my wife taking me down as her assistant as she's oh. going to report on it. Uh, so she, uh, Trouble. If, if you want to learn about some football, some uh, NFL football, you know, check out her off the record podcast. So, Oh, yeah, it's definitely worth listening to. And can we get Erin actually on to this maybe on the next one? Maybe. Do a will, bit of a debrief? Well, because she probably pays a lot more attention than I do where I'm just like gobsmacked looking at food going. Rrr, rrr, rrr. All right. <laughs> I'm going to set you a, a task now, and I've not planned this. Is on the fly. All right. I want... You guys to discover three new cuisines when you're in Las Vegas. Now it doesn't. It can be a different type of potato fry. It can be anything. All right. It doesn't have to be a new animal or something. I'm on it. But I want you. And I then are you going to come on? And you need to find something good. And it can't be. Oh, this is awful. Like it needs to be good. And you come on. We'll do a debrief for the tail, tailgate party. Sound good? Sounds great. Absolutely love it. And All then right. we got some other exciting news coming down the pipe too, so you'll have to stay tuned because there's really a lot of... I'm really about this. We got a, an eight-episode series hopefully coming up pretty quick that I think will <laughs> catch people off guard a little bit. So if you are out there and you want to talk to us, if you're a farmer, a chef, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're just someone who loves food, we'd love to hear from you even more about yeah. what you would like to know about our Yeah, get in Valley. touch. Get in touch. All right. Great. Well, safe flight, John. I think you will. <laughs> Take care. And we will see you for another episode of the Edible Valley Podcast. Cheers. And that wraps up another episode of the Edible Valley Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And a special thanks goes to the local businesses that help support our podcast. They make it possible for us to showcase your local food community. We'd love you to follow us on your preferred social media at Edible Valley, where you can check out our blog, find recipes and tips, behind the scenes, and of course, keep a lookout for where we are going to turn up next in your Edible Valley. We talk more before the podcast than we do on the actual podcast. What are, what are some of the things we've discussed? Technology. We should probably record it. <laughs> <laughs> the Before the Podcast podcast. And this has been an Edible Valley production. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. Ready again? <laughs>